Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Turn first of all to Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, I don't think any of you are weary or burdened. But what we need is the following verses. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, peace, harmony, unity with God in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this is Jesus speaking about being yoked with him. He's drawing, of course, upon what would be a familiar sight in biblical times of two oxen being yoked together. But we are yoked with Jesus, or this is what he is encouraging people to do here, and what he is saying is, if you're yoked together with me, I take the strain. You don't take the strain. And to me, Jesus is saying, it's no strain. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am able to take all the strain, all the striving out of your life because you're yoked together with me. Now, if you're yoked together with him, he also determines the direction in which we go. If you're yoked with him, you can't go in a different direction from Jesus. You would have to be unyoked to do that. So in this picture we have some wonderful truths that we walk in fellowship with Jesus. Now that can only be because we're walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I'll take you to some scripture to show you that in a moment. So if we live in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we are yoked together with Jesus. He takes all the strain, all the striving, all the burden upon himself so that we have rest for our souls. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything, of course, but what it means is that our souls are not activated. They are not taking the initiative as to what is going on in our lives because we're resting, we're abiding in Jesus and he in us. And we will be taken in the direction in which he wants us to go. Okay, so let's turn now to John's Gospel. 
and see what Jesus is saying to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. You know that Jesus didn't speak much about the Holy Spirit during his ministry until it came to the Last Supper. Then it became very important for him to say some significant things about the Spirit because uh, what Jesus was doing was preparing them to receive the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit did not live in those disciples before Pentecost. The Spirit would have been working with them when Jesus sent them out to preach the gospel and to perform the works of the kingdom, but the Spirit of God was not within them, living in them, until Jesus himself was glorified because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the risen, glorified Christ. Which is why if we have fellowship with the Spirit, we have fellowship with Jesus. And because Jesus and the Father are one, we have fellowship also with the Father. Now, Jesus is explaining this in what he says about the Holy Spirit to the disciples at the Last Supper. If we look at chapter 14... Verse 16. Now, when we've gone through John's Gospel, I've uh, made this point very clear to you. Uh, Well, we'll start with verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. And I explained to you in the Greek, there's two words for another. One means another of a different kind. The other word means another of exactly the same kind. And the word that is used here in the Greek is another counselor of exactly the same kind, exactly like me. So the Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor, exactly like me, to be with you forever. So there's no possibility of the Lord taking this Holy Spirit away from you once he's given it. And actually he gives you this spirit not just for this life but forever. For all eternity you will be one with God in the spirit because he is spirit. You have a human body now but you will have a spiritual body and in that spiritual body you will be one with him because God has given you his Holy Spirit forever. Don't get too excited because it's Thursday. Okay. Now, he is the spirit of truth. And he's guiding us into all the truth. So what he's been doing for us this week, for example, is taking the truth of the word of God and declaring it to us, which is why we've been so close to the scriptures in everything that we've been doing. Um. Now then Jesus says in in verse 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. That had been the experience of the disciples up to that point. He has been with you and will be in you. And this of course is uh, only possible because of all that Jesus did on the cross and then in the resurrection and then when he returns to glory. So it is the risen, ascended, glorified Christ who lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then if we um, go down to verse 26, 
But this counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In all the list of the ministries, remember in the New Testament, counselor does not exist. The counselor is the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we want counsel, what we want is the voice of the Holy Spirit. We want the word of God to come by the Spirit. Not the counsel of men, but the counsel of God. And he has made that possible, of course, by imparting this gift to us. So the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. So if we... If we are walking in fellowship, living in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he is continually teaching us. On, on Tuesday evening, uh, when, when I went home, uh, we had a great evening on Tuesday evening. Uh, when I went home, my wife said to me, uh, how did it go this evening? I said, it was great, I learned a lot. <laughs> and, and she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know what it is when you proclaim the truth. You're learning all the time yourself. So even as I was teaching you, the Holy Spirit was teaching me. Now, I was saying things which are very familiar to me because I've been preaching the truth for so many years. But still you learn. Still you learn more. Still things come to life, life for you in a new way. You see, once you start imparting the Spirit by what you say or by what you do to others, you benefit yourself. This is why Paul says to Philemon, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you will come to a full understanding uh, of everything that you have in Christ. <laughs> see, the point is, as you give, so you receive. So the idea of Living in fellowship with the Holy Spirit is so that the Holy Spirit can be working through us, teaching us, so that we can teach others, so that we can impart word, spirit, life, power, healing, whatever, to others. We'll see in a moment, uh, in a diagram I'll draw for you, how this is to operate in our lives. Okay, so he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Remember what I've told you in the past, that 95% of true prophecy is simply the Holy Spirit taking the words of God and declaring them to us. We don't have to look for some other great mystical revelation uh, nearly everything that the Holy Spirit does in your life by speaking to you is to remind you of what Jesus has said and done. He is declaring the truth of God's word to you. If, if, if he is declaring the truth of God's word to you, faith rises up within you and you don't actually need many other prophetic words. And the only other prophetic words to accept are those that give you further understanding of the scripture. That's why we're to test everything, and we don't want any of these 
sort of super spiritual sounding uh, prophecies which have got nothing to do with the word of God. If it's the Holy Spirit, it will be the word and helping us to understand, to appreciate and to apply the word to our lives. Are you breathing? Okay, so then if we go down to um, chapter 15 and uh, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now remember that if we know the truth, it's the truth that sets us free. So why is the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth so that we live in freedom, so that we're walking in freedom all the time. It's when we start to believe other things that we lose our sense of freedom because all the freedom is in the truth. God doesn't feel sorry for us if we're not walking in freedom because he says, well, I've given you my spirit and I've given you my word. If you listen to the spirit, he would declare the word for you and you'll walk in freedom. Amen? Amen. It's all very simple, really. So when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. Now, this is very important and I'll show you in a diagram in a moment why it's important. Uh, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, that doesn't mean that he's, he's like a, a, a horoscope or a fortune teller. What it means is he will warn you of things to come if there's a danger, or he will give you promise of what is to come. He will give you revelation of what God is promising to do. And when God promises to do something, he will surely do it. So as we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he is guiding us into all the truth, and he's guiding us into the fulfillment of everything that God has promised us. Are you breathing? But at the same time, he warns us if there's any danger of stepping outside of our will, of his will. And, of course, if we're wise, we learn to heed the warnings. We don't, um, we don't ignore them because it's to our detriment if we, if we do. So he will not speak on his own. He speaks only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now, to make known means that he will not simply reveal it, but he will make it possible for you to know it in experience. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the truth to you and then to enable that truth to become your experience. In other words, he is the counselor who reveals, but he's also the one who enables it to happen. Whatever he reveals to you can take place in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you see he makes this 
um, incredible statement. This is chapter 16, verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So you see, all that belongs to the Father, this is another scripture that I speak over my life every day. It's one of the 50 or so scriptures. All that belongs to the Father, all that belongs to the Son, the Holy Spirit makes known to me. Because this is what Jesus promises. So the Holy Spirit is revealing everything that belongs to the Father and everything that belongs to the Son because the Holy Spirit wants me to know that all belongs to me as a co-heir with Christ. So he makes these things known to me. He makes these things known to you. If you look back at the end of chapter 15, um, verse 26, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So he will testify not only to the words, but to what Jesus has done. Now, all these scriptures are very familiar to us. Uh, because we've all studied John's Gospel by now. Uh, so we're very familiar with these statements about the Spirit of Truth, about the Counselor whom God gives to us. Now how is all this actually going to operate in our lives? Here are you... in your spirit. Now we've seen that the Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit. You are born of the Spirit and God's purpose is for you to live filled with his Spirit baptized, immersed with his spirit so that the spirit of God can flow freely into your soul and body life. But just leave that aside for a moment. We're going to focus for a few minutes on the spirit itself. Now, one of those things that Jesus said is that the spirit speaks only what he hears. So, here you have the glorified Christ in heaven at one with the Father. So, what Jesus is saying, talking, of course, about what is going to happen to them when the Spirit will not just be with them, but be within them, the Holy Spirit will never operate 
independently from the glorified Christ and from the Father in heaven. So what the Holy Spirit is enabling is for you as a believer to download from heaven all the riches of the glorified Christ and all the life and power of the Father. Now, in this way, the prayer of Jesus is fulfilled. Let your kingdom come, the kingdom of heaven come, and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we can only fulfill the will of God on earth as it is in heaven if we are receiving the life from heaven. Now, remember that we've seen, we saw last term, that even in the humanity of Jesus, he, of course, was in constant fellowship with the Father in heaven. But even Jesus, in the limitations of a human body, could not contain all the riches of heaven. So he would draw aside to be in prayer. And remember, when he went up the Mount of Transfiguration, the three disciples with him, Peter, James, and John, actually saw him, his body glorified. But in the normal day-to-day activity of Jesus, uh, why, why was he glorified? Because what he was doing up the mountain, what he was doing when he drew aside to be with the Father, is having fe- fellowship with the Father in glory. He'd emptied himself of the glory in order to be human, but he still had fellowship with the Father in glory. If you like to put it this way, he drew aside in prayer in order to download the glory that he needed. He emptied himself of his heavenly glory, but he stayed in fellowship with the glory in order to download that glory so that the glory of God could be seen in what he said and did. So every time you see a miracle happening, you see something of the kingdom of heaven being expressed, but you see something of the glory of God being revealed. Uh, Every time Jesus healed someone or set somebody free from demonic powers, something of the glory of God was being revealed. Something of the life of the kingdom of heaven was being revealed here on earth. Now all that of course, happened because if you look at this in reference to Jesus, Jesus lived in constant dependence upon the Holy Spirit, in constant fellowship with the Father, in constant unity with heaven. He did the heavenly will of his Father here on earth, which is why, of course, he became our Savior in offering the perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross. But the same principle applies to us as applied to Jesus. And this is what he is saying to the disciples in these various uh, verses of revelation of truth that we we receive at the Last Supper. So now this is you. You needing to remain in fellowship with the glorified Christ, with your Father, 
in heaven. You need, therefore, to be downloading through the ministry of the Holy Spirit the life of the glorified Christ, all the power and authority of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, to which you belong. So that the Father will be glorified in your life. Now, this is what this is what we're to do when we pray, when we worship. We are actually expressing our fellowship with the glorified Christ and with the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you, when you look at that, you can see why Jesus said, even in the early part of his ministry, that those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth, not just with soulish songs, but in spirit, in the power of the spirit. So the spirit is giving us that worship because what God intends you see is for us to live in unity with the glorified Christ and with the Father in heaven and that's only possible because of your fellowship with the Holy Spirit so the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. You see? That describes that. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always you live in that grace in that love in that fellowship every day of your life right now Here we're back to the soul. You can see why Jesus says, lose your soul. Because how can your natural soul life and ability compare with that? I mean, your natural soul life, by comparison, is a non-starter. Isn't it? God doesn't want us to live at the level of our soulishness He wants us to live in the spirit. So, all of this that starts in heaven, the glorified Christ, the life of the kingdom, the love of God the Father, all this is made known to us by the Holy Spirit, is to be downloaded in your spirit so that it impacts the life of the soul. So what you're actually living 
in your human life, in your hum humanity, is the heavenly life. Heaven is being expressed in your human life. Now, you see, this is why the scripture says that you participate in the divine nature. That because you live in Christ, because you live at one with the Father, because you live in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you participate in the divine nature, in the nature of God. So in your spirit, you have the nature of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In your soul life, you have your human nature. Now, Paul goes to great lengths at the beginning of the epistle to Romans to make it clear that Jesus had human nature and a divine nature. When people are born into the world, they are born simply with a human nature. But when you are born again, you begin to participate in the divine nature. So you have the nature of God in your spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have your natural human nature in your soul life. The question always is therefore, according to which of those two natures are you living? Now what you see in Jesus is that he submitted his human nature to his divine nature. So what you see in his humanity is the life and the love and the power of God. Perfectly revealed, as perfectly as can be revealed within the limitations of humanity. So you see that in Jesus. You see that in Jesus because he didn't live a soulish life, dependent upon himself, his wishes, his will, but he was Subject to the Father, humbled himself, surrendered himself completely to the will of his Father. So now you can see with this illustration that the amount of the glorified Christ, of the life of the kingdom, of the love of God the Father of the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit is dependent upon how much, to what degree, your soul life is surrendered to God. Every believer on the face of the earth has the same inheritance. All this 
is true for everybody who has been filled with the Holy Spirit. So why do you see more anointing in some and others? Why do you see more love in some and others? Why do you see more power in some and others? It all depends upon faith. But faith has two sides to it. One is believing that all this is your inheritance or you can't live in the good of it. But the other side of faith is trusting, therefore, in God and not in yourself. So the more we trust in God, the more uh, we, or the closer we will actually live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, so more of the glorified Christ will be revealed in us and through us, more of the life of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven will be revealed in our lives, and more of the Father, more fruit will be produced for the glory of the Father in the things that we say and do. So that's it, really. You could almost say that's all we need to know. <laughs> Talking about it doesn't do anything. You can see now, I hope, by now, you can see why Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to lose your soul. Not that your soul would not exist, because you wouldn't exist as a person if that was the case. But you've got to lose your soul in the spirit. Okay. So this throws some responsibility back on us. This is why I've said to you during the course of this week, we have decisions to make. Now, decisions make it possible for us to actually experience in our daily lives what it is God wants to see outworked in our experience. Decisions are not the life, but decisions make it possible for the life, his life, to flow through our lives. So I think you can see from this illustration, here are you in your soul life, your natural life. How much of this, 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 this do you want? That's the first question. You see, those that want to hold on to their own soulishness, therefore are limiting this, 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 and this. Because in some ways, they're refusing to surrender themselves or part of themselves to the Holy Spirit. If you want to retain control, the Holy Spirit cannot 
control in the way that Paul speaks of to the Romans. In other words, you have as much of God, as much of Christ, as much of the Holy Spirit in your life as you want. Now, you might say, I want more of him in my life. To which God says, really? Then why don't you surrender more of yourself to me? If that's what you really want. If that's what you really want, you will be prepared to lose your soul in order to have what you say you want. So just saying, oh Lord, I want more of you in my life, doesn't mean anything, really, unless we follow that up by action, by a decision which we then see outworked in our experience. Now you see, this, we, we talked didn't we, at the beginning of last term, about the sovereign will of God and the permissive will of God. This is the sovereign will of God for you. The sovereign will of God is that you live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit so the glorified Christ, the life of the kingdom of heaven, and the love of God the Father will be revealed in your life. That's his sovereign will. How that is to be expressed in your life in the particular ministry which God calls you will differ from one person to another. But the essence of this truth, of, of this life, is the same for all of us. So a person here who really surrenders his life to the Lord, all this will be expressed in his life. But that will mean different things for different people according to the particular ministries to which God calls them. Are you breathing? Okay, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One Corinthians twelve verse four. There are different kinds of. Now, the word gifts here really means manifestations. Different ways in which the Spirit manifests Himself. So there are different kinds of manifestations, but they all come from the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service. Remember, ministry is your service. The particular way in which God calls you to serve. So there are different ministries. There are different kinds of service. But the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, the same glorified Christ, the same Father. There are different kinds of working of how all of this life of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit works in the soul life of uh, individual believers. 
There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men, in all believers. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Right, now, we've seen that all this operates so that through your soul life, the life of God will flow out of your body through what you say and do like rivers of living water. Now, what Paul is saying here is this whole process is not for you alone, but so that the Spirit of God can flow out of your life for the common good. In whatever ministry or service he calls you to, Whatever manifestations of the Holy Spirit are to take place in your life, it's always for the common good. The common good means the good of all. That's what the word common means, for all. If you have a piece of common land, it's a land that exists for everyone. So, uh, Everything that God wants to work in us and through us by his spirit is for the common good. So, in surrendering this soul life to the spirit, there's a recognition that God wants this life to be expressed in my life, but not for me alone but so that that life will flow out of my life for the common good. Now, this is, this is really significant. Yeah. Because it means that if I do not surrender myself, devote myself, submit myself to my soul life, to the Spirit, <clears throat> therefore to the Holy Spirit, therefore to the glorified Christ, therefore to the life of the kingdom, therefore to the Father. If I do not do that, I do not care about the common good. I am actually not allowing the life of God to flow through my life in the way that he desires for the edification, for the blessing, for the healing or whatever of other people. In other words, I'm making a totally selfish decision to hold on to my self-life for myself or to hold on to certain aspects of my self-life for myself. To God, that is a sinful, selfish decision because it means that I am going to restrict, even possibly prevent, the life of God flowing through my life and out of my life for the common good. So that means that none of us are Christians for ourselves. First and foremost, for the glory of God and therefore for other people. Because we can only live for the glory of God 
We can only love God by loving people. We can only love God uh, and fulfill his purposes by being there for others. There isn't an alternative. So these super spiritual people that think that, you know, they're they're just so spiritual and they're right about everything and they're so critical of other people and all they're concerned about is just having, you know, a lovely time with Jesus. But they're not concerned about this. Super spiritual people don't produce fruit. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and you say, well, where's the fruit? Mm -hmm. So we live, if we understand the purpose of God, we live for the common good. So verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a word or message of wisdom, To another, a word or message of knowledge. To another, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking different kinds of tongues. To still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, Paul is actually talking about this within the context, context of public worship. Uh, so, don't misinterpret. He doesn't mean, he is not saying that each believer only has one of these manifestations. If you have the life of the Holy Spirit, All of these manifestations are possible for you. But what he's saying within the context of of worship and of ministry, God gives this gift to one. If when we met together, all of us had to manifest all of the gifts, it would be a long meeting. It would be a chaotic meeting. Because uh, he goes on to explain, doesn't he, that you know, when you prophesy, you only need two or three to prophesy and then to weigh what is said, test what is said. Uh, and when you have somebody speaking out in tongues interpretation, you only need two or three of that. But you see, what was obviously evidently going on in the New Testament church is everybody had all the gifts and they were so, but they were not manifesting them in love and in in some kind of order under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So we have to learn how to use what God has gifted us with so that we're not using them in a senseless way or in a selfish way or for our own ends or to look good in the eyes of others, but always our motive is for the common good. Now, what that means in experience, in reality, is God will give you by the Spirit whatever manifestation is needed in the situation in which you're placed for the good of the person or the people with whom you have to do at that moment. 
Are you seeing that? So you could say that, you know, at this moment, God is giving me whatever words he wants to speak to you for your good. I'm not speaking for my good. I'm speaking for your good. You know, I got up this morning. As I, I, I told you, <laughs> at my age, I love these weeks, but they're a bit more demanding physically. I get more tired, you know. And I, I can remember I got up this morning, I thought, I don't know how many more years I can do this. And it was as if the Lord said, well, I know. And, I, <laughs> and I, I'm going to keep enabling you, so you just keep going. Because you're not doing it for yourself, are you? You're doing it for the common good, you see. So you just keep blessing. You just keep blessing others, and I'll, I'll keep you going for as long as I need you to use you in, in these ways. So praise God. Mm -hmm. We all share the same spirit, the same glorified Christ, the same kingdom, the same Father. So God is infinitely wise in the way in which as we surrender and submit ourselves to him, he then not only enables the life and the power of the Holy Spirit, but he shows us how to channel that life, that power, that anointing. <coughs> Amen. You remember that John says in his first epistle, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and that anointing teaches you all things. What you may sense at times is, Lord, I need stronger anointing, more anointing. Well, there you have the answer. You want more anointing? Well, give yourself to the one who anoints. And that's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? The more you are surrendered to him, the stronger the anointing will be upon your life. Okay, now, let's just round this off. If we are serious about this, then we do two things. We surrender the soul to the spirit in the way that we've been talking all week. But at the same time, the longing and desire of our heart is for this movement from heaven through the Holy Spirit into our spirit to increase. This is our desire. This is our longing. This is our fervent prayer. So, what actually produces the fruit is what God supplies. It's not our surrender. Our surrender to him is so that 
we can receive what he alone can give and that what he gives will be released more fully in and through our lives. So there's that longing, there's that desire, not, not just for an experience. When, when, when you have a fresh release of all of this in your spirit, sometimes that, that comes through a particular encounter with God and, and you sort of experience the holiness of God or the power of God coming upon you in a particular way. Sometimes it works like that. But sometimes it's just by faith. Sometimes you, you know that you have come to a, a new place of trust in God because uh, this is what the surrender really is. It's a new place of trusting God. And, and you just sense, you just sense within yourself, everything's going to be different now. He, he's, he's brought me into a new place. So it's not that we are, are looking for the particular experiences, although God may give you experiences at certain points. I often have experiences. My wife says she doesn't have the experiences I have, but she has the same reality of the Spirit in her life. See, it's just that God works different ways with different people. Now, the, the, but what we are concerned about is this is my longing and my desire. I'm giving myself, Lord, I'm surrendering myself to you so that all this that you want to express in my life more fully will be expressed more fully so that your life and love and power will flow out of my life for the common good. And, you see, the more that is the case, the more God is glorified. Because the more fruit that we produce. Now, just before we pray, can you see that what would undermine this whole process is concern about yourself? And we saw yesterday, that's the devil's trick. Get your focus on yourself. Get your focus on concern about yourself. And Christians fall for it again and again and again. But if we're going to lose this self-life to God, so that he can then begin to work through our souls in the way that he wants. Then that is only going to happen if we're concerned about him and his will and his sovereign purpose and not about ourselves. See, what is, what is it that causes people to hold back from full surrender to God? Concern about themselves. If you fully surrender to the Lord in the way that we're talking about, you don't know what he's going to do with you. And that's part of the deal. He never tells you until after that act of surrender. 
He doesn't say, if you surrender to me, then I will do this and this and this and this. And I will bless you in this and this and this way. And I will do this and this and this through your ministry. See, because he's not making deals with us. So he doesn't work that way. He knows how he will be able to use us and effectively work through our lives according to the measure that we give ourselves to him. Now, you, this is the scripture you know. The measure you give is the measure you get back. See? Now, look, look at this. Look, look, look. When Jesus, when Jesus made this statement, he wasn't talking about money. It's not within the context of money. But look at this. The measure you give is the measure you will receive. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. See? But the whole process, the measure you give. determines how much of that good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, you receive. You reap what you sow. If you sow a little, you can only reap a little. But if you sow much, you will reap much. See, when does revival happen? When you get a group of people, not necessarily very many of them, but you get a group of people who are sold out for Jesus and who pray accordingly. God hears their prayer. Fullness of his life, of his anointing comes pouring down upon them. And what happens? Starts with a small group of people. Hundreds, thousands, Perhaps tens of thousands get saved. All because a small group of people did this. Wholeheartedly. God heard their prayer. And he answered. And what happens? The holiness of God takes hold of their lives. The love of God, spirit of prayer, spirit of faith, all these heavenly riches suddenly seem to explode. I mean, I've been there in several times over the years, so I know what it's like. I'm not talking theoretically about revival. I'm telling you what it's like when it happens. 
And what's the fruit of it? Everywhere you go, whatever you do, people are blessed. It's all for the common good. The life, the love, the power of God just flows out of you, flows through you like you never believed would be possible. And I'm not talking just about myself, but all the people that are with me, or all the people that are involved when, when God brings them into what we call revival. People have got very sentimental and curious ideas about revival if they've never experienced it. You know, somebody sent me a book they wrote on revival. Uh, he'd never experienced it, but he, he wrote about revival. And I read the first page and threw the book to one side. I thought, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because he's never actually experienced it. You can't talk meaningfully about something you don't know firsthand. You can describe, you know, historically what happened in other revivals, but he wasn't doing that. But <clears throat> you see, the point, the point is that what happens in revival? God takes over. That's what it's like. It's as if suddenly he takes over. It's like everything turns to gold. Everything you touch, it works. The power of God, the life of God. It's amazing. You know, you, you, you think you're not doing anything, really. It's almost as if you're standing back and just watching what he does. He is using you, of course, but, but what he's doing is just so much greater than happens at other times. So it's worth the seeking the Lord. It's worth the surrender to God for him to, to bring us into a place like that. If we're going to see harvest and multiplication in the way that God is speaking, this is what he wants to do. Because you see, where is the harvest? Here's the harvest. If you see a trickle of salvations, which is what we see now, that speaks about this whole process. That this whole process is limited in our lives. So what you see is a trickle rather than harvest. Amen? So the more fully this process is taking place within our lives personally and therefore corporately, the greater the harvest. Amen. You know, we praise God for the few. But God is concerned about the many. He died for the many, not the few. So we want to see more and more, don't we? Hallelujah. So we're all part of this process because we're all here together. Hallelujah. So it's worth letting God do in our lives what he's doing so that. Remember I say that whatever God does in our lives is always a so that. Well, this is the so that. 
catalyst for the common good, for the glory of God. Come on, let's get to our feet. Come in the middle. Oh, I'm happy. Anybody else happy? I mean, isn't this amazing? When you look at this, you have to say, that is absolutely amazing. I mean, it is amazing that God wants all of this to be expressed in little me. I mean, it's amazing. But can you see you've got some way to go yet? Yes? There's so much more, so much more. Come on, let's glorify him. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papara Sandaria, Leto Bacala Sandaria, Leto Bacala Sitri Sandaria. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri santin. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri santin. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri santin. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri. O Jesus, 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 Jesus. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. O papapa kala zandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. O papapa kala zandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. 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 O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri. O mamara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri. O papara zandaria lero bakala sitri sandam. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Now let's, let's begin where we began this morning. Yoked with Jesus. Now, he didn't say he will yoke you. He said, take my yoke upon you. You have to do that. So are you willing to do that? Take my yoke upon you. Lord, I want to be yoked together with Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this surrender to him is not an, an onerous thing. It's not a heavy thing. It means that life in the future is going to be easy and light because he's going to take the strain. There'll be no striving. but faith in him, resting in him. Take my yoke upon you. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? That's a decision, isn't it? I choose to be yoked with you, Jesus. So you're going to take the strain, but you're also going to give the direction. Because if I'm yoked with you, I, I, I will inevitably go the way that you go. So I'm saying, Lord, I want you to take the strain. I want you to take the struggle. I want you to take all the pressure because I'm yoking with you. But I'm willing to go with you where you lead. I'm willing to accept your direction for my life. And I will rest in you. I will abide in you. I will have peace in my soul. I will be at peace with you because I won't be fighting against you. I won't be holding on to soulish attitudes which undermine your purpose in my life. I will have peace. Peace with you and peace with myself. That's, that's wonderful to be at peace within myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take my yoke upon you.
Because once you've done that, you don't fight free of that yoke. You know, you don't just wear it for a couple of days and then cast it off. No, 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 no. You want to stay yoked with Jesus, yes? Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. O papara sandaria lero bakala sitri sandama 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 Bastagalaria lero bakala sitri sandaria lero bakala sitri Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Popa parasandaria leto bakala sitri sandama. O paparasandaria leto bakala sitri sandama. Papa parasandaria leto. So, can you reaffirm, Lord? I've lost my soul. I surrender. I submit. My soul, I'm not part of it. I don't want to hold on to anything and limit what you can do in my life for your glory and for the common good. I want my life to count for something, Lord. I want there to be many other people in heaven and in glory for all eternity because of what you've done through my life for the common good. I want to know that many, many other lives have been impacted by your love, by your life, by your power because your spirit has worked through me for the common good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papa para sandaria lero bakala sitri santama. Oh, papa papa kala sandaria lero bakala sitri santama. Oh, papa para sandarama. Oh, hallelujah. Now just agree with God, there are variety of workings but the same spirit. So Lord, I surrender myself to you for whatever particular way in which you want to work through my life. Whatever particular kind of service, whatever particular kind of ministry, I'm not making any conditions. I'm not saying to you, Lord, how you're going to use me, what you're going to do with my life in the future. My life is in your hands 
I place that life, I place that soul life in your hands so you can have your way, so that your will, your plan, your purpose for my life will be outworked, will be fulfilled. And your life will flow through my life and out of my life for the common good. And I bless you, I praise you, I exalt you. You will be glorified and others will be blessed. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Popapara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandana. O papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandana. O papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandana. O papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandana. O papapakala sandaria leto bakala sita di sandana. Oh, papapara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandama. Oh, papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandama. Oh, papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandama. Oh, papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandama. Oh, papapara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandama. Oh, papara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandama. E papapara sandaria leto bakala sita di sandarama. O papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santo. O papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. O papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. O papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. E pasta calaria lero bakala sita di santama. O papapara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. O papapapakala sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. O papapara sandaria lero papapakala sandaria lero ba. O papapara sandaria lero bakala sita di sandama. O papapara sandaria lero bakala sita di sandama. O papapara sandara masinama. O yes Lord, yes Lord. So Lord, the longing of my heart is for more of your spirit to be revealed in and through me, more of the glorified Christ to be revealed in my life, more of the life of your heavenly kingdom to be expressed of your authority and power, more of the love of the Father to be expressed in my life. Oh Lord, more of you, more of you. If there's more of you that will be because there's less of me. And I thank you and I praise you and I bless you, Jesus. Po papara santara basanta. O papara sandaria lero bakala sita. Papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. O papara sandaria lero bakala sinama. Yes, 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 yes. Po papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. O 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 papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. E papara sandaria lero bakala sita di santama. Thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Po papara zandaria lero bakala zita di sandama. Oh, papara zandaria lero bakala zita di sandama. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Are you hungry for more?
Are you hungry for more of him? More of him. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More, much, much more of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we just bless you. This is all so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Your plans for us are so much greater than anything we could ever conceive for ourselves. And Lord, you don't want us to miss the glorious riches that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. We don't look back. Nothing is ever accomplished by looking back. But we look to you and to what you are doing and going to continue to do in us so that your life will flow out of us. And we will see the breakout and the harvest and the multiplication. Hallelujah. Because, Lord, your, your life is too great to keep to ourselves. It has to burst out of our lives for the glory and praise of your name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.